welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Sunday. Welcome to our online experience. So thankful to the worship team once again who brings it every week, just giving us an opportunity to spend some time just acknowledging the goodness of God through worship, through music. Such a powerful time. And if you were with us last week, uh, you knew or you know that we launched a brand new series called Worthy based on the scripture in Revelation chapter 5, talking about John's visionary experience in heaven. And... uh, all kinds of things are happening around, you know, of course, Revelation chapter 4 all the way into Revelation chapter 6 and the underlying theme and even throughout the book of Revelation is the worth of Jesus, the worthiness of Jesus. And so I'm just going to read our baseline scripture for you, uh, for us today. Revelation chapter 5 verse 11, then I looked, speaking of John, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy. So think about this for a second. All of heaven, all of heaven was echoing and saying this theme or saying this verse, this lyric, if you want to call it, kind of like worship, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is Jesus, speaking of him as the lamb who was slain. When John the Baptist was baptized just before, um, uh, or sorry, when John the Baptist was baptizing just before he baptized Jesus, he said to the crowd, behold, here comes the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was called the lamb of God. And so here we have all of heaven saying worthy is the lamb. He is worthy. The lamb who was slain, the lamb who was led to the slaughter, who was crucified to set us free, to set humanity free. And he's worthy to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. This word for worthy literally means deserving. He deserves it. He's do great reward as if he's being drawn into praise, being drawn into praise. It means to weigh in, assigning the matching value worth to worth. So I bring my worth to match the worth of who Jesus is. Whatever I have is his. If he gave it all, then guess what? I have to, I'm expected to give it all. I'm expected to give my whole life. Paul talks about it in Romans 12 to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, every part of our lives as a sacrifice unto God. And he says that is our spiritual act of worship. He's worthy of it all because Jesus gave it all. So we're matching value to value. That's everything. It's everything that we are. And so that is the premise. That's the baseline. Even though we're not exegetically breaking down every part of this passage 
and surrounding the context. That's the baseline of the whole series that we're moving into the next several weeks. And so that he is worthy. He's worth of it, worth it all. Last week, we talked about the subject, offer it back for week one, offer it back. And we spoke about true three, sorry, three truths to live by. Number one, he is my source. Number two, that he is my creator. And number three, that he is my motivation. These three truths that we are called to live by. And if we live by these three truths, we will be able to continually offer back everything that's due him because he is worthy. So today... Today's text um, is going to be a very well-known story that I've actually been alluding to over the last several weeks now in many different videos and even on in some of the messages that you've heard. And so we're going to dive into the story of Peter walking on the water in chapter 14 of the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. But before we do that, just to give you a little bit of context, in the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus finds out that his relative, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus at the age of 30, uh, finds out that his, his relative, John the Baptist, was dead. He was beheaded. And uh, he was just trying to get some alone time and to kind of process the grief that he was feeling. And yet the crowds followed him. And because he had compassion on the crowds who were hungry, he began to teach, but then he began to find a way to miraculously, through his disciples, you know the story, feed over 5,000 people and their wives, 5,000 men and their wives and children. So there could have been like, I don't know, 12,000 people. Even though he was trying to get alone, trying to process the grief, he decided to move in compassion, move in miracles, and feed over 5,000, which would have been about 12,000 people, let's say, uh, supernaturally. So he still hasn't had that alone time to grieve. Then we pick it up. After this happens, he kind of goes back into a place of isolation. He wants to go, the night, night, nighttime comes and he wants to go and pray and be on his own. So this is where we're at now in verse 22 of chapter 14. Immediately after this, speaking of after they fed the 5,000, okay? Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, which he sent while he sent the people home. Verse 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, which actually, you know, realistically would have been between three and six a.m., somewhere in that vicinity, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, Jesus said, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. You like how I did that? <laughs> Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now, I love this story so much for many different reasons, but I love that we see two different, very significant storm stories in the Gospels. 
We see another storm story in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, where Jesus kind of said the same thing. Let us cross over to the other side. The difference is this time he was with them in the boat. Whereas the story we just read, he was on by himself. He wanted to be in an isolated place. He said to the disciples, you guys should cross over to the other side of the lake. So in one instance, he's with he's not with the disciples. In the other instance, he is with the disciples in the boat. Both are very powerful stories. And in one instant, instance, for example, Jesus... Um, you know, in the boat, spoke to the storm and the storm calmed. In this instant, instance, the moment Jesus got into their boat, the storm calmed. And I think these are very significant for our faith because we all go through storms in life and we all need tools in learning how to manage the storms that are in our life. We need to know how to navigate these storms. We need to know how to navigate impossible situations. We need to know how to navigate uh, moments where we're terrified, full of anxiety, full of fear. How do we address this? You know, is, is Jesus with me in my boat in this moment? Or is he wanting to teach me something and come towards him in the storm? Or is he with me and I'm called to speak to the storm and I can trust that if he's with me in my boat, I'm good. Or is he calling me to step up out of the boat of comfort, out of the boat of convenience and walk on the water, do the impossible and move towards him, trusting him in the storm. These stories give us tools in our spiritual tool belt to know how to navigate stormy seasons within our life. And I just believe with all my heart that if he's called us to it, he will lead us through it. If he has called us to move towards something and a storm hits our life, guess what? We're storm worthy. And if we're storm worthy, God knows, Jesus knows that there's something great within us that he wants to develop through us in that time. And so today's message, if you're taking notes, it is the word or it is the subject storm worthy. And I want to talk about the risks of revelation the risks of revelation. Here's a, a very important truth for us to live by. The moment you get a revelation of who God is in an area of, or in a part of his nature, for example, for those of you who don't understand what I'm saying, when I say the word revelation, just so we all understand, it simply is a word that describes an eye-opening moment. So let's say you're in a financial crisis and you've never seen the side of God in your life where he's been faithful, evidently faithful in your finances. And for the first time, you trust him with your finances. And you are, um, you know, you're, you're, you're questioning it. He's calling you to come out onto the waters to do the impossible. Like you don't, you're afraid, but you're going to do it because you want to trust him. The moment you get a revelation that he is the God who provides there is a risk that then follows right after. And that risk is now you're being called to risk. I don't want to say your physical life necessarily, although, you know, that may happen, but risk your spiritual reputation or your spiritual life in areas of life to test that revelation. In other words, you're called to test out that revelation through taking risks, which I really just call faith, but for the sake of language, faith often feels like a risk. I mean, we could sink right now. We could lose everything right now, but I'm stepping out in faith. I'm persuaded by God, but there's that logical side of me that says, hey, that might be too risky. What if God doesn't pull through? Well, I have a revelation that God will pull through. Therefore, I'm called to take the risk to strengthen and prove that I do have a revelation that God will pull through. So there are risks 
of having revelation and it's God calling us to step out into and onto the unknown because he knows we're storm worthy and in the storms of life, something great is being produced in and through our lives. So my word really today is for everyone watching that we are all, you are all being called to do the impossible while you're in the storm. It's so easy to think that when you're on the mountain, you're called to do the impossible. It's like you got big vision. You can see like you're on top of the mountain. You climb all the way up there. You made it. You're at the top and you're like, wow, I got big vision. You know, I have hope. I have, I have faith. I have confidence. But it's actually in the valley. It's in the dark times. It's in the storms of life where the greatest risks are taken. It, you need to go through the valley, through the storms to get to the mountain, to get on top of the mountain where you can see clear. It's in those dark moments where the most risks are taken, where you can't see uh, the next step in front of you sometimes. You've heard me say this before that faith is not a walk in the park, it's a walk in the dark. It's walking when you can't see. Paul said it like this, we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's where the most risks are taken. We don't know if my, my next step is going to cause me to sink. I don't know if my next jump, my next leap is going to cause me to lose it all. That's what faith looks like. It feels like risk. It, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible, and I love how the Amplified puts it, to walk with God. And I love it because the picture is Peter is walking on the water. He's walking on the water with Jesus. Jesus came walking on the water, and now Peter is beckoned, literally invited to walk with him on the water. And without faith to get up out of the boat, without faith responding to Jesus' words saying, come, um, he wouldn't have been able to walk on the water. And think about the scenario. It's it's still dark out a little bit, like it's between 3 and 6 a.m. We don't know exactly what time frame it was, but it was in that vicinity anyways. And there's storm, there's wind. I mean, they're afraid for their lives. They're terrified. They're like, I've never seen Jesus walk on the water before. It must be a ghost. And uh, so here he has the opportunity to test his faith. So but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. And I think a lot of a lot of us don't understand what it means to diligently seek him. We think, okay, that's only like in my prayer room in my house where I just seek him for eight hours a day and I'm like worshiping God and I'm in the word, I'm studying the Bible, I'm praying, going through my laundry list of prayers. And that's what seeking God looks like. It's actually not what seeking God, look, seeking, God look, seeking God looks like. Seeking God and diligently seek him is to include him and to invite him into every area of our life, into our career life, into our family life. Yes, it is a part of, you know, going into your prayer room and, and giving him that time 100%, but it's not only that. It's defined by inviting God into every area of our life. In fact, the reward comes through diligently and earnestly seeking God by also taking the risks that he's calling us to take. Every risk, every faith step, every time we do anything with faith attached to it, we are diligently seeking God. We're, we're like Peter, he was seeking the face of God when he was walking on the water. He was looking at Jesus, he wasn't focusing on the winds and the waves, 
He was walking on water. We have to celebrate the fact that he walked on the water. Yes, he sunk, but he walked on the water. In that moment, he's diligently seeking Jesus. He's pursuing him. He's listening to him. He's stepping out in obedience. He's moving out of what's comfortable, what's convenient. And this is the walk that we're called to walk. This is part of what we do the House of Hearts special year-end offering every year. It's one moment, one step in the direction of saying, God, I'm stepping out. I'm going to give today above and beyond my normal giving. I'm going to trust you. Maybe it's for the first time. I'm going to do a crazy out there sacrificial gift because you're calling to calling me to do it. Not because I feel like I just, you know, I want to impress you so I'm doing it or I want to impress people or no, it's because I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling me to do it. He's getting me out of what's comfortable and causing me to trust him in new ways. And so this is why we do what we do. This is why at the end of the year we also say, "Hey, attach your faith to something that you're believing for in the following year." You know, even even though giving is not about what you get. Giving is not about if I give this, then, you know, God's going to give me this. We just say attach your faith as a point of contact. It's a almost a point of positioning. It's you're, you're stepping out, you're sacrificing at the same time. You're making a statement that these are some of the things that I'm believing for next year. And it's, once again, it's not that your money is directly tied to that. It's the fact that you're putting faith towards it and believing and you're partnering your faith with your finances but also with what you're believing for in the following year. So we have this verse, I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I would encourage you to meditate on that verse. And I said this earlier, we seek God through the risks or faith that come through the revelation of who he is. When we have a revelation, the next step is the risk part of it that cements that revelation, that proves that revelation true. And one of the ways we seek God is through taking these everyday risks. These risks or faith are what strengthen our revelation of who God is. Now, I want to talk about three hidden questions in the text that I see while the storm is happening in the in this passage I just read. Number 1, the first I believe hidden question is this, are you willing to listen? And it's a question to all of us. It was a question to Peter. Are you willing to listen? Because Peter said, if it's really you, ask me to come. The next question though always is, are you really willing to listen? Because if I tell you to come, it's going to be scary. You're getting out of what's comfortable. You were already terrified. Okay. You were terrified of going into the water. That's why you were scared because you thought you were going to sink while you were in the boat. Now you're getting out of the boat. The only thing that's keeping you secure, how much more terrified are you going to be? So are you willing to listen? Because this is the thing, risks may compromise your reputation. Risks may compromise your reputation. Peter had probably, out of all the people, even though he compromised it over and over again, had the most reputation to keep. Why? Because he was the oldest. He was the one that often Peter used, or God, Jesus used, as an example to the others. He was the one that often was rebuked the most for things that he said. We don't know everything that Jesus said to every other disciple, but we do know some of the things that happened with Peter. We do know the rebukes that happened to Peter. We do know some of the the failures of Peter. And his reputation was probably always being watched as the leader, as the oldest of the group. Risks may compromise your reputation. I once heard this leader say to me at a coffee shop, always it's marked me. He said to me this, he said, Sean, because he had heard it from somebody else and he was just repeating it to me. He said, if, less, if you want to become a man of the supernatural, 
you have to become a man of no reputation. And what he was meaning by that is if you want to walk in the supernatural, if you want to walk in faith, if you want to be those kinds of believers that can walk in the dark and move forward and advance and not let the circumstances around you take you out or sink your ship, if you want to do that and live that out over and over again, you have to be a man or a woman of no reputation. In other words, you can't care so much about what everybody thinks around you that it's going to stop you from stepping out of what's comfortable and into what's uncomfortable. And it's always rung so true to me because insecurity, write this down, insecurity protects the facade of reputation. Insecurity protects the facade of reputation. Sometimes we sacrifice taking risks from a revelation we have of who God is. We sacrifice it because we're so insecure, we're afraid of failing in front of other people. But here's the thing, even though Peter failed and he sunk and everybody saw it, he sunk, he still walked on the water. He did something that none of, the, none, of the, none of the other disciples ever did, at least we know of, recorded in scripture. They didn't walk on water. Yes, he sunk, but he still walked on water. He got out of the boat, he did the thing, he was willing to listen, and he conquered. He did something that no man naturally, outside of a supernatural miracle, could do. And insecurity has a way of, of isolating us and protecting us to keep this facade of a good reputation when I would rather have a reputation of I walked on the water and sunk than a reputation of I sat in the boat of comfort and never did anything with my faith. I'd rather have that reputation of walking on the water and sinking than the other. So many people fear what would happen if and when they surrender their lives to Jesus. I hear this all the time. Like, like if I give my life to Jesus, I got to give up this, this, this. It's like all these rules, all these regulations. And this is the thing, giving your life to Jesus in surrender, like saying, I'm all yours, Jesus. Like, I want to follow you. I want you as my leader. I want you as the one that's the most important in my life. The thing, it's not about, you know, giving up this, this. Yes, that does happen. We do give up things. We, we do surrender things along with surrendering, surrendering our lives. It's our whole lives, right? But the question that God often is asking us the most in this process of surrender is are you willing to surrender? It doesn't mean that you're gonna have to give up everything. I know, you know, I'm doing an interview with a very, very well-known celebrity coming up real soon in the music industry. And and I, his story is so powerful because for, I think it was eight years, he after he had his encounter with Jesus, he gave up the most important part of his world, his life. And it was the band that he was in. He gave it up for eight years, only eight years to get it back and to now come back into it, a renewed, refined individual to have influence in that same culture. And so sometimes we give up things temporarily only to get them back. And sometimes we're asked if we're willing to give them up just to see our heart. Are we willing to give it up? Are we willing to lay it down? And God never even asks us in the end to actually lay it down. He just says, are you willing? Willingness, I believe, is one of the core um, values that as, uh, as believers in Jesus, we need to be having in every area. Willing, willing. If God says do this, God says do that, are we willing? Are we willing to go the hard road? Are we willing to walk the narrow road? Are we willing? That is the question. Are we willing to listen when he says jump or when he says step? We see this. Let's, let's just read the scripture again here in Matthew chapter 14, verse, uh, let's start in 28. Then Peter called to him after he thought, you know, they thought it was a ghost walking on the water. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 
And in verse 29, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Peter was stormworthy. Something was developing in him. And if anything, if anything, even in his failure, there was weakness exposed in his ability to trust Jesus. And, and from that experience, he could get stronger uh, in his walk with Jesus as a result, even in what we would say as failure, and he sunk. Peter was storm worthy. Be careful what you ask for because he may just call you to do the impossible. You want the business? You want the big dream? You want the big vision to manifest in your life? You want the financial breakthrough? You want the family? You want the wife, the husband? You want that career? Be careful what you ask for because all those things come with dark moments. All those things come with impossible situations and impossible circumstances. All those come with great storms, heavy winds, rain sometimes. You can't see the next foot in front of you. It's dark. It's hard. All those things come with moments where you feel like you're sinking. So be careful what you ask for because all those things that are good come with challenges. The greatest rewards in life come from the greatest risks, greatest challenges overcome, and hardest of situations. Are you willing to move through it? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to walk the walk that's not comfortable? When Jesus says, come walk right into the storm with me, are you willing? When Jesus says, continue walking, when it makes no sense, like wind, storms, it's crazy, it's impossible, how am I even doing this? Are you willing to keep walking? Keep doing your business. Keep believing. Not give up on the thing that God's spoken to you. Not give up on the career path that he's called you on because it's hard right now. Are you willing to keep walking towards Jesus while you're in the thing that sucks right now? While you're in the thing that's just so intense and so hard? Are you willing to move towards your fear? What if it doesn't pan out the way that you hoped? What if a repeat happens of a previous season that didn't pan out the way you wanted it to. A repeat scenario happens of something that was traumatic in your life. And so are you willing to, to walk again and try and move towards the thing that you fear the most? And that's failure. That's a repeat of a pattern that's already happened. Disappointment, hopelessness. Are you willing to walk towards Jesus? You know, there's a amazing proverb, chapter one of Proverbs, verse seven that I believe is so foundational for our lives. And it's the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. To fear the Lord is to revere him so much that we're willing to take the risks when he calls us to, even if it feels choppy, even if it feels shaky, even if it's he's calling us into a storm. He's literally calling us into the very thing that we're fearing. Like, Peter and the disciples, they were literally fearing the storm. And now Jesus is calling them into the storm. He's calling Peter into the very thing that he's afraid of the most. What if Jesus were to call you into the thing that you were afraid of the most right now? Would you step out of what's comfortable? Or would you step out of the thing, the only thing that's kind of giving you a little bit of sanity right now, the boat, the comfort? Would you step out and do that thing? I don't know. But this is what he's asking of us today. Are you willing to listen if I do those things? I mean, this was this was, if I call you to do those things, this was baby steps for Peter, Peter's uh, relatively new faith journey. I mean, I don't know, we don't know exactly, you know, what part of the timeline of those three and a half years that Peter was in at this very moment, but it was relatively new still in his faith journey. Yeah, he'd seen miracles. Yes, he's seen the 5,000 been fed. I mean, he's seen 
Other things happened, other storms weathered in the past, but he's still learning faith. He's still walking the walk of faith. These were baby steps on his journey. I believe it was done. I mean, Jesus knew he was storm worthy. And so this was allowed to happen. It was done to nourish his faith, to nourish his faith, to advance and to mature his faith. I mean, what do you think this moment did for Peter and the disciples? I mean, think about it. I mean, what do you think this moment did? I don't know. Maybe none of them ever, ever had a chance to walk in the water, but Peter did. I mean, and also Peter denied Jesus before before he went to the cross. I mean, Peter went through a lot of ups and downs. But in the end, most all disciples, they actually gave their lives to Jesus physically. They became martyrs for him. I mean, these moments along their faith journey were a part of cementing the revelation of who Jesus is and the worth of who Jesus is, that he's so worthy, I'm willing to give my whole life, lay down my whole life as a martyr, as someone who's going to die for Jesus. I mean, these experiences had to have impact on these disciples. I mean, for many of us, as we prepare moving into our house of hearts on December 12th, special year end offering, many of us, as we prepare this sacrificial gift, it's going to be like getting out of the boat for you. Maybe for the second time, third time, fourth time, maybe for the hundred thousandth thousandth time. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's to simply trust God with a little bit. Trust God. Maybe you've never trusted God with your finances before. Maybe it's to trust God with your first 10, your tithe. As scripture talks about the tithe, the 10%, the first 10%, or maybe it's beyond your 10% for the first time, you're going to step out and sacrifice generously for the first time. And it's going to be hard for you. And Jesus is asking, when we do these house of hearts year-end offerings, we don't ask anybody to do it out of obligation. We don't want you to do it out of obligation. We want you to partner your faith, believing that God has a plan to do something in your life through sacrificial giving, through generosity, understanding that the whole premise of the gospel message, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. I mean, generosity, giving is at the core of of the gospel message, it's central. But we don't want you to do this because you have to, but because you get to have an opportunity to partner your faith with Jesus, walking on the water, and then connecting something that you're believing for for the following year and believing it's gonna happen and doing the impossible. And yes, sometimes you may sink. The thing that you're believing for may not happen, but it may happen three years from now. It may happen four years from now. There was things that we believe for, for five years, six years, seven years, over a decade, 15 years, things that we even put on our house of hearts cards from three, four years ago that are just happening now. And so not everything, it's not about every little thing happening that you write on your house of hearts card and what you're believing for. It's about stepping out in faith. It's about putting your faith out there in vulnerability to believe that God is who he says he is. And remember this, it's not about the size of the gift but about the size of the sacrifice. It's not about the size of your financial gift, but the size of what that means to you, the size of the sacrifice for you. I mean, there have been moments where our kids in our house of hearts moments, because they're a part of it, and they've witnessed the sign, knowing that in some seasons the sacrifice was even more intense than in other seasons. And they've seen it where they've literally seen like, same day blessings. They've seen moments where on the same day that we sacrificed, like there was a crazy blessing that came to us and as a sign to say, hey, God's got us and God's in it. And when we step out, there's, a, there's an exchange that happens. And I love these moments. And I think the question, again, 
point number one is, are you willing to listen if God begins to speak to you? Number two, number two, will you worship when it makes no sense? I love this. Will you worship when it makes no sense? Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. But when he saw, Peter, the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink, saying, save me, Lord. He shouted. It says here, when he saw the strong wind and the waves. Why? Because he got his eyes off of who he was worshiping and he began to almost celebrate and worship and acknowledge the problem. Began to acknowledge the contradictory circumstances that were around him. He began to no longer acknowledge Jesus who he was walking towards. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was walking, he was moving, he was doing the impossible. The moment he noticed his reality, the moment he got his eyes off of the supernatural, who was Jesus, and onto the natural, he began to sink. The moment he stopped worshiping the one who had called him and he began to, because worship really is simply acknowledging it's acknowledging, it's, it's, it's holding in high esteem, it's hallowing, like we see in Matthew chapter 6, the prayer, hallowed be your name, it's acknowledging, putting him in a higher place, elevating him, he was being elevated in this moment, that's why Peter was walking on the water, the moment he elevated his circumstances, he began to focus in on his circumstances, he empowered those circumstances to literally rob him of the faith that was allowing him to walk on the water, and he began to sink. Peter walked almost all the way. We can assume this because when he began to sink, Jesus was pretty close. We could assume that he walked almost all the way, but right before maybe he got to Jesus, he began to see what seemed impossible and he began to focus on that. And we see his failure, but I believe he was still successful. It's only, and I believe it was only failure because his attention changed. His attention changed. He stopped looking towards Jesus. And this is the risk of revelation that we all have to walk through. We all have to walk through. This is the risk of revelation. If you have a revelation of who he is and he's calling you out, you're taking that risk. And the risk is you may sink. But I believe often it's so easy to feel like a failure when we sink and not celebrate what we did do. I think Peter got out of that boat, out of that situation after the storm calmed and was like, man, I just walked on the water. I don't think Peter was thinking, man, I sunk. What a, I'm an idiot. I can't believe that happened. No, I think he was like, I walked on the water. Yeah, I kind of got rebuked a little bit. Like, why did I doubt Jesus? I, I think he went through some of that. But I think, honestly, Peter probably was thinking in his mind that was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I, for some of you watching out there, like, you've had breakthrough. But all you can focus on is the moment, even within that breakthrough, where you sunk, where it didn't go quite the way you had hoped, didn't go quite the way you planned. You had breakthrough. I've, I've heard so many stories of people, and even in our house of hearts, often years past, where they actually wrote on their, on their like uh, uh, house of hearts card, like so many things. One of them being like a, you know, it was like a vacation, or whatever. Every everything wasn't answered except for the vacation, and they could only see the things that weren't answered, and that discouraged them. They couldn't celebrate the things that actually did happen, the mind-blowing vacation that they got. They couldn't see that. And they'd be like, oh, I'm down, I'm sorry. I'm like, but what did you run in your car? Well, a vacation. You got the vacation. You got that. Like God's showing you. It's not about God just answering your laundry list of hopes and dreams. It's about putting your faith out there. And even if you see one, Peter could celebrate the fact that he walked on the water. And I want to encourage us to not put so much focus on the failures of our faith, but put the focus on the wins, the victories of our faith. Because it's in that space that I believe our faith will grow.
It's so easy to blame God when things don't go our way. It's so easy to play the blame game and, and you know, and, and kind of, man, it's, you know, God's fault and I'm disappointed in God. And, and I, sometimes I wonder, it's like it, we put so much focus on it, God being the problem. When I think Peter, I'm pretty sure Peter could see that in that moment, he was the problem. Not in a self-condemning way. You know, Peter could have thought to himself, Jesus, you said to come to you in the water. Like, why didn't you, why, why, why did you let me sink? Why did you allow me to sink? This is often the question. It's like, why did God allow this to happen? I just wonder a lot of the times it's if it's because we got our attention off. We started right. We started out right. We're all excited, right? It's like our relationship with Jesus. It's all new. Honeymoon stage. We're getting breakthrough. We're stepping on the boat. We're walking on the water. We start out right. We're excited. It's like the honeymoon stage. And then, you know, time creeps in, a little bit of darkness creeps in, hard times creep in, contradiction creeps in, we start feeling the waves and wind around our feet, our attention gets, we get distracted, we get our eyes off of Jesus, we start looking at the problem, no longer on the purpose, on the solution, our eyes are on our pain, not on our one, on the one who is the healer of our pain, and all of a sudden we begin to sink and we say to God, it's your fault, but really, Maybe it's just our fault because we paid attention to the wrong things. We started looking at the wrong things. And I wonder how much disappointment we would not have to live through if we could own and if we could be aware of where we missed it and then pick ourselves back up again and move forward. Because God, Jesus is always there picking us up when we're sinking. He's always there to pick us up. As long as we are alive and as long as we are open and being open to be vulnerable and say, Jesus, I need you. I mean, he is there. And even when we don't say that, his favor and grace is so good. He's just there with you, taking care of business, picking you up. Peter sunk because he started to look at the wrong things. Let me ask you a question. What is your target? And I believe Jesus is saying this to you. Is it me or is it the miracle? What's more important? Am I your target or is it the fact that you're walking on the water? Because we don't look at it that way often. We look at it just like the storm, the wind. That's why Peter sunk. And yeah, I believe all that. I've said it over and over again in this message already. But even just fat, the fact of him getting his eyes off of Jesus and onto the miracle and off of the miracle worker itself, himself, like maybe that's also why he sunk a little bit. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Is it me or the miracle? Is it me or is it what makes sense Jesus is asking us, is it me or is it the problem you're facing? Is it me or is it the fear? Is it me or the big contradiction in your life? What is your target? Am I your target or is your target and what you're focusing on the contradiction in your life? Is it me or your addiction? Is it me or the marriage problem? Is it me or the career issue? Like, what is this whole thing about? It's got to be him. It's got to be him. I remember many times in my life. I mean, it's constantly happening, constantly happening around my life. The moment I stop trying to fix impossible things in my own strength is when I walk on water, is when I do the impossible. The moment I get outside of myself, I'm not saying, you know, I, I work hard, I have great work ethic. You know, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always moving forward. I'm always advancing in areas of my life. But sometimes I'm striving. Sometimes I notice that I'm like, almost not working smart. I'm just working harder and I'm trying to get more things done and convince God that if I do this, this is going to happen. And every time I get into a place of striving outside of the boundaries and framework of what God wants for me and has for me, 
things start to feel impossible. Things start to feel like our situations, I feel like I'm sinking. And every time I stop to try to fix impossible things and let the one who makes all things possible, possible, the moment I invite him into the process and remind myself that he is the one calling me, therefore he is the one that will sustain me, the things that are impossible fix and I begin to walk on the water. So number one, are you willing to listen? Hidden question in the text. Number two, are you willing to worship when it makes no sense? And the last point, last question hidden in the text, can you acknowledge your failure? I kind of touched on this a little bit. Can you own it? Can you acknowledge your failure? Like I said about the blame game. It's, I believe the blame game is the most evil tactic the enemy uses to dull your faith and perspective of Jesus. I don't believe P Peter could have blamed Jesus for sinking, but maybe he wanted to in a moment. Maybe while he was under the water, he was blaming Jesus for allowing him to sink like so many of us do. You allow this to happen, God. You allowed me to get sick. You allow this to happen. And there's there's no theology around God saying, okay, I've checked off on the list. I'm going to, under the new covenant, I'm going to allow this guy to just go through hell. I just think stuff happens in life. Storms happen in life. And whether you want to argue whether or not it's because you've reaped, you're reaping something you've sown in your life, whatever, we can argue that all, all day long in the end. And I do believe that's a principle. You do reap what you sow. But in the spirit, we cannot justify everything that happens saying and making the statement that God is just allowing it to happen and God's teaching us 11. No, things happen and God will teach you lessons while things happen, but it's not necessarily because God's up there just giving permission to all these bad things to come your way. God wants you to navigate and be led by the Spirit in whatever season comes your way. Matthew 14, verse 30 to 33, but when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. That was an acknowledgement of failure. Save me, Lord. I can't do this on my own. I have sunk. I have hit rock bottom. I need your help. I need you to put your hand down. There's no way that I'm coming out of this except if it's by you. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Which is really something they should have been doing the whole time, worshiping God to the fact that he was like walking on the water and Peter's walking on the water and they're all witnessing it. They should have been like, what is happening right now? We worship you. You are the son of God, you know. But when he started sinking, they probably got all discouraged and fearful again. And it wasn't until Jesus got actually into their boat that they had the revelation like, wow, you really are the son of God. Let me ask you a question. Can you acknowledge where you may have failed in the last season? Rather than saying, God, you've disappointed me. Can you acknowledge where you may have failed in this last season? How many times in your past two decades, three decades of your life, five years, two years, has God reached out to you when you felt like you were in sinking situations? How many times has God pulled you out? Will he not do it again? Will he not do it again if you can acknowledge where you're at and where you are living right now? I remember I made this error. I made this error over and over again in the beginning years of leading the church. Back in 2012, as the senior leader began to lead, lead, leading the, the, the whole church community and not-for-profit organization, I made this error over and over again in the sense of I was failing because I thought in and of myself, I had to fix all the problems. 
I was failing in my leadership because I thought that I had to burn myself out to support the local church. I was literally traveling as an itinerant speaker, you know, every few weeks and being back on Sunday just to support the church. All my travels were, were literally my, the, all the money that was coming in through my travels, whether it was through resources or other things like honorariums, were literally coming back into the church to keep the church floating. Because we had a big budget, we had 12 staff, massive commercial lease bills, I was trying to fight the storm and winds in my own strength. Not enough income was coming coming in, and so I was traveling to, and at the same time, burning myself out to support the local church because I wasn't trusting God in this area. I didn't see it, though, in the moment. I was like, I'm, I'm saving the church, in a sense. I'm saving this thing. I'm moving it forward. I mean, we had a transition. Things happened quickly, and I just felt like I had the responsibility to make sure that our church financially didn't get sunk. We had all these bills. We had all this big budget and we had to keep things moving forward. And so I'm like, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. And I did. But sometimes I believe I was failing because I was doing it outside of the boundaries and parameters that God had set up for me. And it took me time to realize that I was failing and that I was sinking. And the moment I began to acknowledge that I was sinking, the moment I began to acknowledge my failure and that, that I was not trusting God in this area fully, I felt, and it was my responsibility, the moment I begin to acknowledge that, the moment is the moment everything began to change. And the moment a massive load began to lift off of my shoulders and lift off of my life and healing began to happen, faith began to happen, restoration began to happen, awe was restored again because I just was burning myself. Uh, I think a lot of us go through seasons. We're trying so hard and all he wants us to do is acknowledge that we're in need right now of God to help us. We're, we're it, it, to acknowledge that we're sinking and we need a hand, a helping hand to lift us back up. Maybe you're in a season where you feel like you're sinking. Maybe you're in a season where you're stepping out for the first time in an impossible situation and you need a helping hand to pick you up because you feel like you're drowning. You feel like you're drowning. You feel like Jesus is calling you. Maybe for the first time today, you feel like Jesus is calling you to get out of the boat of addiction, get out of the boat of convenience, the boat of agnostic belief systems. You don't know what you believe. Get out of the boat of a troubled marriage. Get out of the boat of so many areas of your life and you don't know how to navigate it but you feel like you're being called to get out, be called to change career paths or something that just seems so far outside of your abilities and your reach. And maybe you've already got out of the boat and you feel like you're sinking. Jesus wants to pick you up out of the water in this season. He wants to join you in your boat. Remember the story, it goes like this. The moment Jesus got into the boat with the disciples, into their boat, the storm stopped. And I just believe that with all my heart in this season. It feels like you're alone right now in the boat of life. It feels like alone right now. The moment Jesus gets into your boat, the moment you let him into the boat of your life, the storm around you will begin to stop. Not that it's you're never going to have storms in life, but the storm of confusion, the storm of not knowing what's going to happen to you when you die, the storm of, of sickness in your life, I believe healing begins to happen the moment you let Jesus into your life. Healing begins to happen. Restoration begins to happen the moment you let Jesus into your life. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus. It says in Romans 10 verse 
uh, 8 and 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Simply acknowledging your need for Jesus as Savior in your life. Like Peter did, save me, O Lord, I'm sinking. Simply acknowledging your inabilities, acknowledging your failure, acknowledging that without you, Jesus, I can't do this thing called life. Without you, Jesus, I can't earn salvation. Without you, Jesus, who paid the price for my sin, I can't conquer sin. You conquered it on behalf of me. All I have to do is reach out and say, help. All I gotta do is reach out and say yes. And today, if that's you, I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. All you have to do is say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Let's do this right now. If you're watching and that's you, just say yes, Jesus. I open my life to you today. I acknowledge my need for you. I receive your forgiveness right now. I acknowledge that you are Lord, that you are God. I want you in my life. I want you to lead my life. I acknowledge that you are the one that's gonna change and transform my life for the better. I want a relationship with you. I believe that you were raised from the dead on the third day to raise me up to new life, to give me a second chance, to give me a new chance at life, to make me a new creation, a brand new creation in Jesus' name. If you said that, that's the best decision that you've ever made in your life. I wanna encourage you, email the email on the screen and we'll get some stuff to you. Love to connect with you. And for everybody else, including you, I wanna pray for you in this season. And I wanna declare over you that you are storm worthy. If you're in a storm right now, you're worthy. God sees you as worthy to be developed into a powerful, world-changing leader. And that may be simply by leading your family well. That simply may be by leaving a legacy for your grandchildren's children. That simply may be by being you know, an, an amazing employee at your job. That's simply, there's many different ways that that could happen. But if you are in a storm right now, I believe it's because God knows you will make it through. God knows you can handle it. God knows that you will experience impossible things in this season that you will take out as a story to tell future generations. And in this season right now, you may be in that boat of life and it may be stormy and Jesus may be saying to you, okay, it's time to come out and take some risks, even though it feels like you know, the worst season to take risks. It's in those seasons where God develops our faith the most. You are storm worthy. And these are the risks of revelation that we are called to take in seasons like that. So God, I want to pray for everyone watching that feels connected to the things that I'm saying right now. I believe the Holy Spirit's ministering to you right now. He's speaking to you. It could be unanswered prayer. It could be hopelessness, disappointment, any area of your life where you just feel like it's stormy, it's windy, it's hard. You feel like you're sinking. And I just believe Jesus is there and you're doing. You're gonna do the impossible in this season in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would empower our faith. I just believe that God wants to take this, this revelation and give you opportunity in this season to take some risks to prove the strength of that revelation in this season. God, I pray that you give us like eyes to see, ears to hear, that we'd be willing to listen, willing to step out and sacrifice, willing to get out of what's comfortable in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would just blow our minds in this season, that you'd show us like great miracles, unusual miracles in the season, Great healing would take place in and through our lives in this season, both emotionally, mentally, and physically. God, I pray that you would open the door that seems permanently shut right now in our lives. There's been doors that you feel like 
have been permanently shut. Opportunities that feel like are never going to come back to you again. I just pray that in this season, God, that you would open those locked doors for those that are watching right now. Those moments, those opportunities, they feel like they missed in life. Maybe they missed some walking on water moments because they were scared. Maybe they missed it. Maybe they weren't willing to listen, but now they're willing to listen. God, I pray that in this season, you would restore what feels like lost years. And that in this season, God, that there would be encouragement to come to motivate and energize our walk with you, even when it feels dark and stormy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope that encouraged you, Kingdom Culture, this morning. And I want to encourage you just to apply some of these things in your life. Ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself these questions in this season. Will you worship when things make no sense? Are you willing to listen? And can you acknowledge your failure? Ask yourself these questions. And I just believe God will do amazing things in and through your life. God bless you and we will see you next week. Wow, Pastor Sean, thank you so yes, much for encouraging good, us. Week two of yes. Worthy, so good. Guys, if you made a decision, make sure you drop us an email, prayerkingdomcoach.ca. Yes. We'd love to send yeah. resources your way. And yeah, this is it for this today. This is good. Right? This was a good Sunday, guys. Yes. Thank you for being with us. We miss you. We yeah. love you. We hope you're encouraged today. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And hope to see you here next week. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.